Hi there, it's Kathleen here, and welcome to The Gathering, bringing God into everyday life. Let me encourage you to not just listen, but partner with God and practice what He speaks to you. You can access more information about me, my newspaper articles, upcoming events, contact me, or purchase my book, Thriving Through Seasons of Grief, on my website at www.kathleenmaxwellramby.com. This podcast is now in 28 countries, and people have donated so that you can listen free. Will you consider paying it forward for someone else by giving a one-time or monthly gift? Simply click the button that says Become a Patron or Patronage at the top of the podcast. And don't forget to click the like or follow, and you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Enjoy the podcast. So our lesson today at the gathering is going to be about the power of redemption and restoration. And many times people think of redemption as, okay, God redeemed me just because um, he loved me and forgiven my sins. But there is so, 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 so much more to the word redemption when we jump into the scripture. And I am so excited to talk about one of my favorite passages today um, in Isaiah 61. If you look at my Bible, it is marked up everywhere um, in this passage because it's just been a part of my life for a number of decades, actually. So let me give just a little backstory. In 2000, no, in 1990. Um, in the early 1990s, my late husband and I were doing a marriage Bible study. Uh, we were leading it, co-leading it with another couple. And we got together and we would pray before our meetings. And um, our co-leaders came in and my friend said, Kathleen and, and Joe, I have something for you. As I was just praying about our lesson I felt like God gave me this for you, and it's going to be um, a passage of Scripture that I think is going to be important to you. And I said, oh, okay, great. And she gave me Isaiah 61. And at that time, um, I liked the passage, but now as I've journeyed through so much more life, it's one of my treasured passages because it talks about redemption. It talks about restoration. It talks about what God wants to do for us instead of where we are in our circumstances. And um, so let's just talk about the meaning of the word redemption. Redemption means to compensate for the faults and bad aspects of something. It means to exchange something. I'm going to say that again. To compensate for the faults or bad aspects of something and to gain possession of something or to exchange something. So my question for you right now is what hard things do you need God to exchange for you? And what is it that you need for him to do instead of where you are in your circumstances? I want to give you another passage, even though we're going to spend most of our time in Isaiah 61. But I want to go to Psalms 130 verse 7. Because it talks about redemption too. It says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord 
For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Oh, my word, friends. Right there, it shows us that God is a God of redemption, and he wants to redeem our situations and circumstances. He wants to make them right. And we are going to all encounter adversity, hardships, things in this world. But with the Lord, we have hope. And with the Lord, we have redemption when we go to him. And I can't tell you how many times in my life, as I've studied this passage, that I've gone to the Lord and say, Lord, I want redemption in this. Lord, this has been unsettled for years, but I want redemption in it. And, you know, for me, the challenge is is just waiting for him to do that. But um, Ephesians 1, 7 also talks about redemption. And so if you want to look at that passage, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of his grace. And so we have redemption and we have a God-given right because of what Jesus did for us. But Isaiah 61 is a beautiful passage full of many promises of what God will do for us. And it's a tender passage of the love of a good father. And it's an invitation for us to partner with him when we need help. And it's also a passage we can hang on to when our prayers seem to be delayed or not answered on our timetable. So let's jump into it right now. Um, Isaiah 61 verse 1 is a prophecy about Jesus that he's coming and it's also Jesus' job description, what he's going to do once he gets here. I also feel like it is like our job description too. So if you're a believer, if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, I feel like it's part of our mandate and what we are to do but also what God wants to do for us. So it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. So why is the Holy Spirit upon us? Well, I think the main reason is because he wants relationship with us. You and I have been chosen by God and he wants relationship. So he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. He's put it upon us. So understand that you're chosen and that he loves you and he wants a deeper relationship with you. So that's why I think his spirit is upon us. And then it says that he has anointed me. He's anointed me. He's anointed you. He anointed Jesus. And anointed means that we're dedicated to God's service, that we're picked. We're chosen again. And why? I think, again, it's that relationship, that partnership. There is such a love and father-son relationship between Jesus and his God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And that's available to you and me today. But he's anointed us. He wants us to be his hands and feet right here on earth. And then 
it talks about why he sent Jesus. Jesus was sent to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for us. Oh my goodness, friends. God cares that your heart hurts. He cares about what you're dealing with. He cares. And I love, 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 love this passage because it says he is been sent to bind up the brokenhearted. And when I was widowed at age 49, this passage became so precious to me um, in a whole different way. It was hope for me that my life was in pieces, my heart was shattered, but that Jesus was sent to bind up my broken heart. And it wouldn't always be in the state that it was in right now. He, he was sent to heal it. And I've held on to this passage um, when I experienced a miscarriage, when I lost my husband, when I lost my mom and dad. I've held on to this passage when there's been disappointments in my life. And as we press into him, we see God's faithfulness. And we receive healing for our broken heart. I can't tell you how many times I've just laid my hand on my own heart and said, Lord, heal this. It, heal my heart. It still hurts. So that is um, that is such good news. And also, he's been sent. Jesus has been sent to release us from darkness. And darkness can be sin in our life. It can be addictions. It can be anything in our life that can hold us back. And... Um, God's heart for you and for me is freedom. It tells us that in Galatians 5.1. It says, For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. And so right there, the Lord's heart for us, again, is to walk in freedom each and every day. So let's now look at Isaiah 61 verse 2. It says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. So what is God's favor? Let's talk about that. Well, favor is provision for every problem. And it's being convinced that God is totally for you. His favor is here for every problem that we face. And its favor is not based on circumstances. It's who God wants to be for you and for me in our situations in life. And it's an advantage we have. When we partner with God and we believe He loves us, we have the privilege of being His, His children. And again, I think the core of favor is that relationship and us running to Him and us trusting in Him. And it's in that relationship you discover favor. We can't find it in our circumstances, but we it's special consideration. I'm going to give you an example. Um, my children and my husband have special favor in my, in my world. If they call, I usually try to take the phone call. And if not, I get back to them as soon as possible. They have favor, whereas if a, a client calls or, you know, 
anybody else calls, even a friend, my children and my husband have special consideration because they are special in my life. And that's the way it is with us and the Lord. We have favor with him. And that's just one of our advantages. When you give your heart to to Jesus, when you say, I need a savior, we have access to that favor. But sometimes favor doesn't look like what we think. And it's our lens that needs to change. An example I thought of in the Bible was Daniel in the lion's den. You know, Daniel's favor was that he was protected in the lion's den. God didn't intervene and keep him from going into the lion's den. But the favor of God is that those lions did not touch him. So sometimes favor doesn't, we can say, where is God? Why didn't he show up? You know, why has he allowed this in my life? But when we look to the Lord and and say, open my eyes to see your favor, I promise God will do that to for you and for me. And um, so that's just one of the examples, you know, in the Bible that I thought of. It also, um, just another example of favor in my own life is I have seen where God allowed something to happen. But the favor I had was watching him restore it and redeem it and turn it around in my own life. And so let's look at Psalm 68 real quick because we all encounter hurts. We all encounter misunderstandings. And sometimes we can feel like where again, where is God? So Psalm 68 verse 5 and 6 says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. He sets the lonely in families and leads out the prisoners with singing. That is just a, a picture right there of God will vindicate us. He will work on our behalf. But as we look at Isaiah, and you know, we've we've looked at Isaiah 1 and verse 2 also, but then we see it again in verse 3, how God's heart is for us when our heart hurts. And man, that is such a good promise to have. And just knowing that he cares that your heart hurts. I want you to understand that right now. Let's read it. It says in Isaiah 61 verse 3, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair, and they will be called oaks of righteousness the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. God has a great exchange for the broken pieces of our life. And I talk more about this in one of my podcasts called Understanding and Releasing Heartbreak. So you might want to go back and find that one. But there's so many things that God does instead. I think grief has gotten a bad rap. Um, I think it, it just really has. We just, nobody likes to even say the word, I don't think. I think even in churches, it's not talked about enough. 
But I'll tell you, in my own life, grief has been one of my best teachers. And I've gotten to know the heart of the Lord in a way I never knew, except in the ashes of my life. And it's caused a greater dependency on the Lord and a confidence in Him that I didn't have years ago. But here's the redemption that God has for for us. And God is saying in this, okay, I know your life is in ashes, but I'm going to make that a crown of beauty for you. And he says he's going to give us gladness instead of mourning. That's good news. We can hang on to that. He's going to give us a robe of praise instead of despair or depression. Now that's good news. So whatever you're dealing with, if you're mourning, if you're depressed, if you're in despair, if you're just looking at the ashes and you can't even move right now, the Lord is saying, but this is what I have for you. Partner with me. Look to me. This is what I have for you instead. And then it says, you know, that that he will plant us, that oak of righteousness. He's going to make us strong and he's going to use your story and my story to help other people. And it's like I see that big oak tree and it's shading others. It's helping others. God loves redemption. I remember, and I'm going to give you some a bunch of examples of redemption, but I'm, I'm just trying to lay a foundation right now. Uh, one of the scriptures I also hung on to and has been very special to me is Psalm 23, 13 and 14. It says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And I remember coming upon that passage and and I thought, you know, now this is good news because your word promises, Lord, that I'm going to see your goodness in the land of the living. It's not just when I get to heaven, but I'm going to see it in the land of the living. So I give that passage to you. And now let's look at Isaiah 61 verse 4. It says, and they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated and will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Um, you know, Nehemiah in this passage, Nehemiah had come back to Judah and things looked different, but this was a promise this was a promise of what God was going to do. And many times I think we can miss redemption because we look for things to be rebuilt in the very same way that they were in the past. And yet God many times just has a better plan. And he gives new building materials. And there's a reason in all of this. You know, I, we had done some remodeling several years ago. And right after... I finished getting my new carpet and I'd gone through, you know, stuff in the house uh, to make that possible and got this new carpet and got some new paint. And two months later, we had a leak in our kitchen with the ice maker and it leaked not only on our floor in the kitchen, our tile tile, but it went under the wall and into my living room and my new carpet. 
And so two months later, I got to do this process all over again. But the redemption I found, and in the middle of all this, I was, I was, you know, studying about redemption. And I kept saying, Lord, let me see your redemption. This is hard. This costs a lot of time and uh, money. And it was a time that I didn't feel like I had, you know, much of either. But here was the redemption. Because the second thing happened and there was that water leak, I ended up getting new tile that the insurance paid for. I ended up getting a better dishwasher. I ended up getting uh, all new baseboards that were clean and, and painted. And I even got to do some more spring cleaning and really whittle down things. And so the redemption looked different. My house wasn't in the same condition it was before. Um, and I even decided to forget carpet and go with wood floors just because it would be better when we, you know, decided to resell the house and would be more durable with grandkids and all. So I use that example because sometimes we can miss to, we can miss God's redemption because we're looking for it to come some way. And um, I think we have to look and be willing to see things from God's perspective. I saw redemption in my marriage to my late husband. We went through a real hard time. And it was a lot of things that we had to just really face and look at. But the beauty of that adversity and hardship was what God rebuilt in us in our relationship. And it was something treasured. And I can tell you the last 15 years of his life were just so special because we had built through some really hard, hard things. And God's redemption was beautiful in that situation and so look for what God has to restore and ask him for redemption in your situation ask him what it what that looks like um, okay let's go on to Isaiah 61 verse 5 it says strangers will shepherd your flocks and foreigners will work in your fields and vineyards um, Nehemiah came back and this was the land of his fathers. And things, again, looked different. But the Lord had a plan. And he says in Isaiah 61, verse 6, You will be called priest of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and the riches, and in the riches you will boast. And right there, the Lord promises that he's going to use whatever we're in. And he calls us to minister to others. He gives us opportunities to share our story, to share our testimony of the faithfulness of God. And did you know that you're a minister? God calls you a minister. But again, we have to be willing when we're looking to the Lord for redemption for things to look a little a little bit different uh, years ago my late husband and I had talked and dreamed of going to Italy it was just kind of like on our bucket list um, years ago 
and it was something we talked about that one you know one day when the kids are gone and we've got a little more money and we can travel you know we want to go to Italy and so that was something just all the travel that Joe and I had planned in our life uh, that was something that I had to lay down when he died and in, uh, at age 52 and fast forward to now I've remarried been remarried now 10 years and this year Stephen and I have a trip planned to Italy the restoration and I remember laying down that dream and saying Lord this is something we dreamed of and I'll never realize it but I look to you for redemption and restoration and that that dream is going to be um, fulfilled this year when Stephen and I go to Italy. It looks different. I'm going with a different man than what was in my original heart and dream. So look for God's redemption in your life. And in Isaiah 61 verse 6, it calls... The Lord, the Lord says he calls us to be ministers. And I want to just encourage you that your story matters because your story gives you a platform and it gives you an authority. Your platform might look different than mine. God's going to use you to touch other people. But your story matters. When you've walked through something, it gives you, and you've seen the goodness of God, it gives you and authority. Anybody can learn things with their mind, um, go to college, they can, they can study something, but you have a whole different perspective when you walk it out and you live it. In Isaiah 61 verse 7, now let's jump to that. It said, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. You will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. I mean, this is redemption at its finest. Now, I want to tell you another story of redemption. Um, years ago, I used to jog. I don't say I was a runner. I was a jogger and I loved it a lot. It was a part of my life for decades um, from when I was, goodness, I guess about 18 until I was in my mid-40s. And in my mid-40s, <clears throat> um, I developed a stress fracture from running and went to the doctor and, you know, they told me what to do and I did it and my foot did not heal. And so after seeing several doctors in Kerrville and San Antonio, um, one of the doctors that I was seeing and he was Gosh, he wrote for medical journals, the one in San Antonio. He said, Kathleen, I don't know why a woman in her mid-40s is not healing. I have 70-year-old women that have healed faster than you are. He said, I need to send you to an endocrinologist. We need to find out why this is. So I wasn't happy about going to another doctor, but I did. And here's what I found out. Here was the redemption. I found out my thyroid was off. I found out my hormones were off. I'd had a hysterectomy and I was on a medication and my body was not absorbing it. And thyroid and hormones affect your healing. So my redemption in this long, long process um, of hobbling around and not being able, you know, to jog and do the things I loved was that I found out I had two other medical conditions that I could correct. 
So I just give you that. Is sometimes we we just have to wait on the Lord, but ask Him, keep asking Him for redemption in those situations. And you know, this passage in Isaiah 61, I had it written in my Bible in 2010 when I was in the depths of grief and sorrow, that instead of the shame that I felt kind of as with widowhood, God was going to give me a double portion. And instead of disgrace, he was going to give me an inheritance. My parents have passed away and an inheritance is something you get. It's not something you, you work for. It's a gift. It's something that is given to you. And that's what the Lord is telling you and me is he has an inheritance for us. In Isaiah 61, verse 8, it says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Oh, my word. You know, if you're sitting in a place and you feel like you haven't gotten justice, you feel like that the Lord, um, you just haven't seen his redemption in an area, I want you to hang on to this. Uh, where you've been treated unjustly, the Lord is telling you and me right here that in his faithfulness, he will reward, he will reward us. Um, I remember just a situation and I had, I was already in a vulnerable place. I had recently been widowed. And one of the things I had been doing in my job as a director of Christian Women's Job Corps is I was a national trainer for um, others, other job course. I trained other people to do the same job I was doing right there in Kerrville. And um, about a year after my husband died, my parents' health was in very desperate shape. And so I resigned from that job to just take some time to help mom and dad get some things in order because I just couldn't balance all of it. And um, you know, and then I was going to figure out what I was going to do going forward. But I, I called the the office um, for the Christian Women's Job Corps, and I said, I'm, you know, resigning, but I still want to be a trainer. And the woman told me, she said, well, if you aren't a side director, you cannot be a trainer. And it just crushed me. It was so, such a hard pill to swallow at a time that I was having a whole lot of change anyway. But I laid it down, and... Um, I kept asking the Lord for redemption and redemption and redemption. Well, fast forward to now, there's a new woman in charge and she called me this last May and said, Kathleen, we want to ask you to come back and be a national trainer um, because we just admired the work that you did when you were there. Will you do that? That has taken, goodness, 13, 14 years, but God's redemption is coming full circle. So hang on, friends, to whatever it is you need God to redeem in your life. Isaiah 61 verse 10 says, I delight greatly in the Lord, and my soul rejoices in my God. He has clothed me with garments of salvation, arrayed me in a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. God is has so much to give to you and me. 
and look for all the Lord has to give us. And when we see it, we recognize the opportunities we have. And we get to wear rejoicing, salvation, jewels. That's what we get to collect in relationship with Him. And that's what I've learned in some of the darkest days of my life. I want to give you one more story of redemption and how God redeemed. And I want to just really encourage you, whatever it is that you're looking at, that looks like ruins, that looks like devastation, that looks like grief, that looks like, um, you know, something you've really fretted over, go to the Lord and ask for his redemption. We had sold our business, uh, my gymnastics business. I was owned a gymnastics school years ago. And um, we sold it to a couple. And this young couple said, well, will you own or finance it for us? And um, we said, yes. We thought, okay, we'll just take this money and we'll put it away in savings. And that can be, you know, towards our kids' college education. Well, several years in to them paying us back, um, they called one day and said, hey, we've just made a mistake. We've tried to grow too fast and we can't pay our bills now and we're going to have to declare bankruptcy. And we were devastated. We thought, what are we going to do? You know, I mean, our kids' education and they were, you know, getting right there um, to going into college, our oldest especially. And we were like, Lord, we need your redemption. We need, we look to you to fix this for the sake of our children. And I want to tell you that the full redemption was that two of our three kids got full rides to college. Our oldest son went to the Naval Academy and our daughter got a full ride to Texas A&M. Our youngest got some <clears throat> scholarships, but that was redemption. We had put our hopes in this one area of selling this business, but God had a different, different plan, a different plan. So hang on, friends, wherever you are, because wherever you are in the ashes of your life, God wants to redeem it. And I'm going to close with one, one last story um, because this is a good one. So we have a deck and out on our deck is just where our family had been for years. We had a lot of happy memories and my late husband and I would sit on that deck and talk and dream and enjoy life with our friends. And um, when he was battling cancer and we had come back to we'd come back to Kerrville because um, his cancer had progressed so much and they said this is your window you can either stay on hospice here in Houston or you can go home and this is your window but if you wait you're, you're gonna miss the window so we went back home to Kerrville and um, about 10 days before Joe died he said Kathleen I want you to come out to the deck I need to talk to you and uh, I thought okay my heart kind of sank, but I went out there and sat down. And he said, um, this isn't going the way we want it to. And I said, yeah, you're right. And he said, when I'm gone, there's a folder in the desk. 
and it says USAA and just get that folder and call them and they'll walk you through the things you're going to need to do in the days ahead. And tears began to flow and because um, these weren't really words I wanted to hear. And then he said, and one more thing I need to tell you. He said, I know you better than anybody on this earth. We'd been together 33 years. And he said, you're not made to live alone. And he said, I want to, after I'm gone, I want to release you to find somebody else. Because I know you. And I love you. And I couldn't even look at him. My tears were just streaming from my face. And... I couldn't imagine life without him, uh, much less with somebody else. And yet in my heart, I knew the words he were saying were precious words, just precious words that were going to really help in the days ahead. So fast forward uh, to 11 years ago when I met Stephen, my husband now, and we were planning our wedding. And... We were sitting out on that deck and we were working on our vows. And um, all of a sudden, as we're talking, you know, as we're writing, all of a sudden, it was like it hit me. This very place that had been so painful and I had heard the words that I never wanted to hear from my late husband. This was the very place that God was revealing a new life for me and I just had to smile at God's redemption and how he had taken Isaiah 61 and I had hung on to that passage desperately during the dark days of grief and I had cried out to the Lord for restoration and redemption in the exchange of the ashes of my life and God honored that. And now this place, that deck, was the very place of my new beginning. God is a God of redemption. And if he'll do it for me, I know he'll do it for you. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you're a God of redemption, that you love to take the broken things in life and turn them around for us. And so I ask for a settling in the heart of each listener and a peace to come as they wait for your redemption. Lord, I pray that they would study Isaiah 61 and see all that you have instead of where they are right now in their circumstances. That redemption would just become their new word and it would become part of their new prayer. And I just declare in every area that there's ashes, Lord, that you would restore those places, that you would rebuild, that you would bind up the brokenhearted, that you would set captives free. And Lord, most of all, that each and every listener would grow closer to you in the midst of their sorrow, in the midst of their depression, in the midst of everything. But they would take those hard places, God, to you 
and ask for your redemption. So open our eyes to see how you restore and how you work on our behalf because we have special favor with you as your kids. Thank you, Lord, for who you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much, friends, for listening. You can find out more about me. You can donate to this if you want. This podcast is now in, um, goodness, I think 30 countries. On my website, uh, you can also access my book, Thriving Through Seasons of Grief, which really talks to you about just overcoming in life's disappointments, change and loss. And all this is found on my website at www com. So have a blessed day and let me hear your stories of redemption.